Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Silverprint Pictures creative director Kate Bartlett and director Lee Haven-Jones about new ITV crime drama The Long Call. Plus writer Ben Richards and director Zara Hayes about upcoming BBC courtroom drama Show Trial. The Long Call is an upcoming four-part ITV crime drama inspired by the best-selling novel of the same name by Vera and Shetland writer Anne Cleves. Adapted by Des and Baptiste screenwriter Kelly Jones, the show stars Our Girl and Fleabag actor Ben Aldridge as a detective inspector who's returned to live in a small English community with his husband 20 years after being rejected by his family. The Long Call is produced by ITV Studios' own Silverprint Pictures and co-produced with Britbox North America. Silverprint creative director Kate Bartlett and director Lee Haven-Jones spoke to me about the series. This interview is brought to you by ITV Studios, which is handling global distribution. I'm Kate Bartlett. I'm the creative director of Silverprint Pictures and I'm the exec producer of The Long Call. And I'm Lee Hibben-Jones and I'm the director of The Long Call. Tell us about The Long Call. What's the uh, the premise of the show? The Long Call is an evocative and atmospheric four-part crime drama which is centred around a detective called Matthew Venn. And uh, Matthew is a man who's returned to live in his hometown in Devon uh, with his husband, Jonathan. Uh, he left 20 years previously, rejected by his family and the Christian Brethren Church he grew up in for his sexuality. So this is a show that I think we it divides between being a crime drama, but also very much an ensemble character piece as well. And it's inspired by um, the best-selling novel of the same name from uh, Anne Cleves, someone that you've obviously worked with before, uh, with, with Vera and, and Shetland, obviously being her, her most famous series adapted from her works. So uh, how does this um, subject material sort of compare with with previous works that she's known for? Well, I think, uh, I mean, Anne, Anne writes brilliantly. And I think what she does is she creates wonderful characters and atmospheric worlds and the landscape is always really elemental to her story. So it's, it's if you're going to option a book to try and create a new series, you always look to the characters and it's those characters that we've connected with. So that is it, the long call. We, we read it and actually it was, it was the character of Matthew and his journey journey, his emotional and psychological journey through the story that that made us want to try and adapt this one. I think this is different to Vera and Shetland. I think we wanted to make more of an event drama of this. It was important to us. I think we've got a strong ensemble of characters and we delve into their lives alongside the crime story. And it's it's much more an emotional and psychological drama of Matthew and his emotional journey across the four parts than you would normally see, I think, probably with either Vera or with Perez in Shetland. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had the good fortune of working on both of those shows, Vera and Shetland. And, um, you know, they're brilliant examples of, of their genre, but actually... There, there are points of difference, I think, with the long call. Um, for, for a start, you mentioned Kate. You know, it's this time. It's more. I guess it's more personal um, for Matthew Venn, um, whereas Vera has this magnificent detachment to her. 
and an ability to keep a distance and remain objective. Matthew is emotionally involved in the story that we have here. And um, the crime story is his story and he becomes uh, part of it. And it's a real roller coaster for him. Um, and then secondly, of course, um, whereas, v- whereas Shetland um, is very much influenced by the Scandinoir um, aesthetic, I guess with uh, the long call, we've gone in a different direction. So um, yes, there are uh, uh, similarities, but also there are points of difference, I think, which would be uh, appealing for an audience. And um, the cast that you've got is uh, obviously key to the whole to the whole series in terms of that central character. Just tell us about the uh, the people that you've got involved. Well, we've got uh, I think we've got an amazing cast. We've got Ben Aldridge playing uh, Matthew Venn, and Juliet Stevenson is playing his mother Dorothy. And our guest cast include Martin Shaw, Anita Dobson, Neil. Morrissey, Amit Shah, uh, we've got Sarah Gordy, we've got Alan Williams, and we've also got Pearl Mackey as uh, DS Jen Rafferty. Have I missed anyone? No, no. Uh, <laughs> somebody for everybody amongst that. I think there is. <laughs> And in terms of the uh, the character of of Matthew, as you say, it's very much an emotional journey. It's his story as as, as well as the crime story as well. So how how key was that was that casting? And um, you know, what does Bren really bring to that role? Well, I think I think for all of us, and particularly for Lee and I, authenticity was a huge part of our casting process. So we were. We were adamant that we wanted to cast a a gay actor in the role of Matthew because a a huge part of his story is is him having to, you know, look into his 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 backstory of of having to come to terms with with his family rejecting him for his sexuality. And so it felt really important that uh, we had a gay actor playing him. So Ben was the most perfect casting because we then learned that um, he grew up in Devon and his parents were part of a brethren church. So it was extraordinary. So, yes. I think that was that was really important. Tell us a little bit more about that community and the, the sort of obviously the strong religious aspect to this story. Um, it's a community that I guess a lot of people might not be familiar with and set in the in the Devon countryside. So yeah, how did that feed into your, the way that you developed the story based on the novels and also? In terms of the the look and the feel, well, I'll I'll do the I'll do the Lee can do the look and feel, but um, in terms of, it's they're very very loosely based on the Plymouth Brethren, but but actually it's a fictional it's a it's a fictional Brethren church called the Barham Brethren, and uh, and that's that's so that's who we you know it's it's just. It's very clear. The thing I love about this is the unique elements of this feeling that we are in this brethren world that you haven't really seen on screen very much before. And and alongside that are the worldly, as they term them. That's the, you know, everyone else in society. And it's and I think that's what makes this feel unique and certainly makes it look unique, actually. So I'll let Lee expand on that. Yeah, as you're saying, Kate, it, it is a it, it is a fictionalized uh, brethren. It's the Barham brethren, and um, in terms of look and feel, I guess. As ever, being a sort of a, a magpie of a director, I've kind of uh, looked around and, and and taken the best bits of inspiration from various different places. Um, so, so it, it, yeah, I can't I can't stress again that it's not it's not based on on the brethren. It, it is an invented kind of um, kind of community. And um, when I'm directing, I'm, I'm always looking for a, I guess for a concept to sort of uh, hang the look and feel of a show off. And it seemed to me that the what what's what's at the heart of this piece is this contrast between 
what Anne calls the brethren and the worldly, i.e. those who are part of the religious community and those who are not part of that community. And I guess what we've tried to do in terms of the look and the feel is to really polarise those worlds um, so that they can rub up against each other and so that we see the, the, the difference between them, because it is in many ways a story about difference and about identity and about trying to find a place to belong and about cultures colliding, actually. And um, what's interesting for an audience, I think, is the, is the tension that arises when those two worlds collide in such a sort of spectacular manner. The screenwriter, Kelly Jones, it's her first solo series. She comes with the, the, the heritage of, of Des and Baptiste. So what's it like being working with her and on the production side as well, Angie Daniel as well in particular? Well, it's been delightful working with both of them. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Kelly, Kelly's an amazing writer. I've worked with her. I'd worked with her before this. And I think her understanding of character and story and emotion is 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 stunning. So it's been a lovely process, actually. We found, the, you know, we, we worked out the sort of building blocks of the story. And then I feel like it's a evolved into you know Leah's come on and Angie's come on and Ben's come on as that and actually I feel like the whole the scripts have evolved into a sort of deeper psychological and emotional drama actually as we've as we've all talked about them and and talked more about the character of Matthew and you have an actress like Juliet Stevenson playing his mum and you're suddenly going well, let's have a couple more scenes and you just it's it's it really has been a it's been a hugely enjoyable collaboration, which obviously, you know, TV drama is a huge collaboration, but it's been a really enjoyable one, I think. And Kelly has embraced everyone's thoughts and notes and and written beautiful scripts. Kelly is a remarkable writer, I think. Um, I mean, it's not easy adapting novels to screenplays because ultimately they're very different. But what she's done is she's taken Anne's world and has kind of mined it for drama and action and emotion. And she's taken almost like a, a magnifying glass to the relationships and, and exposed them in, in sort of glorious forensic detail, which is um, which is a magnificent feat. And as you said, Kate, she's incredibly open to suggestion, which um, from my point of view, as a frustrated writer, <laughs> um, it, it is a great thing to have a writer who is willing to sort of to work in a very collaborative way. It's 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 a very special thing indeed. And then as for Angie, I mean, An- Angie is the is the person who makes it all happen, I guess. And um, she's been brilliant uh, in protecting sort of the creative vision and in dealing with this brave new world in which we find ourselves of, of having to shoot drama with COVID uh, hovering around. You reference this, uh, yeah, strange new world that we're all uh, inhabiting. But you know, what were the particular challenges you you faced on that front beyond the restrictions that producers and all TV series makers are having to deal with at the moment? You know, was there anything that sort of surprised you? I guess about that process and um, any pleasant surprises that came out. Now that I guess we're getting into some sort of semblance of mastering this new kind of form of production. I mean, pleasant surprises were the things that leapt out at me. Um, I guess because we had we were operating in a world in which the majority of us hadn't worked for approximately a year, I guess, was the, this sense of camaraderie. And we were all very keen to sort of get stuck in. The actors, uh, the crew, all of us just sort of desperately wanting to do our best in these sort of restrictive conditions. So what yes, of course I'm not going to pretend it was it was a it's a it was easy. I mean, living under these circumstances is one thing. Trying to work and operate, you know, is is another thing. But it, it it was great to be back in action. You know, as a director, how has that actually changed the job that you do on a day to day basis, having these restrictions in place? 
It just makes it more difficult. You know, part of my job is a big part of my job is about communication, um, communicating with the actors, communicating with the crew. And wearing a mask makes communication on a very basic fundamental level quite tricky. Um, so that, that was the most frustrating thing. And um, yes, we must carry on wearing masks for a long time, I know, but uh, it's very hard. It's very, very hard. Kate, from your point of view, Silver Print Pictures, it's, it's been a tough year for the whole TV production community. Uh, how significant a project is this for you? And, you know, hopefully a, a return to some semblance of normality. Well, I uh, yes, I think, I think, as Lee said, it was, you know, last year was brutal. We shut down Shetland five days from filming. We, Vera, I think, oh, Vera, shut down. We all, it was everything stopped in the most awful, awful way. And we spent weeks and months talking about how on earth are we going to be able to film again? And then just as we thought, oh, it's all okay you know the the January wave hit us and actually we we pushed the filming on the long call by a month I think it was because we genuinely we couldn't you couldn't get into people's houses to look at locations you know no one wanted you anywhere near them so the that was quite bleak January was quite bleak January I was like oh my god are we ever going to film again are we going to get this off the ground but but we have and other people have and I think I agree with Lee. I think there was a real camaraderie about people coming together actually last year and and through this year of everyone, you know, the people sitting in on my side of the job, you know, going there are so many people who re- who understandably rely on production that that's their job. So how do we get this going again because people need to work and we want to make drama and all of that and I think, you know, I think there's there's always positives that come out of situations like this and I do think that sense of camaraderie collaboration just being so pleased to be back was huge actually but and in and for Silverprint yes I mean just lovely to be making dramas again to be filming I mean that's what you you know all the development all the things you do it's all for actually making it you want to make shows given that so many of the UK population will have been having staycations over the the past year there'll be a lot more people familiar with Devon than perhaps there would have been pre-pandemic so um, a lot of people are going to recognize I guess some of the scenes Um, Just describe it a little bit for audiences around the world who may not be as familiar with it and, you know, that specific look and feel again that that it's going to bring to the show. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, um, in many ways, this is a show about two worlds colliding. And it seems to me that the North Devon coast is a game of two halves uh, in a way. Uh, On the one hand, you have the flatlands in and around Barnstaple, um, which are incredibly fertile and lush and green. And then by contrast, you have uh, the area around Ilfracombe, uh, right up on the north Devon coast, which is incredibly crack, craggy and rocky. So it is, it's it's diverse. There's a lot of variety there, actually, in terms of landscape. And um, and it looks great on camera, I have to say. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not um, the long call has the same kind of effect on tourism to that part of the world as Shetland did for that little island in the in the North Atlantic for example um, and I'm I'm confident it will and when people discover North Devon because I think I think North Devon is sort of the poor relation to South Devon in terms of tourism but when people d- discover North Devon I think people will be uh, flocking there and returning to the 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 story and, and and the character the central character this is obviously derived from the first novel that uh, that Anne has has written about Matthew Venn but um I believe there are others in the work. So 
this is something that presumably, although it's a, a four-parter, it, it feels like a, a property that's going to run and run. Well, we hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's always the aim, isn't it? Yes, I'd love to, I'd love to bring. I think the characters are wonderful, and that's that's why you want to bring shows back. You know, it, it has to be about the characters. The crime story can can change. You know, it can it can it can be different each time, but it's the characters you want to come back for. I do think the unique world of the Brethren is a fascinating world to be in. And Matthew, having grown up in that uh, context, is an incredibly layered, textured character that you can kind of uh, get to know. He has an incredibly complex interior landscape, and I think we've sort of started to traverse it in this in this series. And uh, there's plenty more to um, uncover. I think. What are the themes that you think will have resonance with audiences around the world? I think I think this has you know this has universal themes. Be it be it redemption, be it belonging, be it community, be it wanting love, finding your home. It's it's all of those big universal themes that can speak to everyone. Actually, um, you know, alongside great characters and and big emotional stories. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Kate. It's it's all in there. You know, it's about a it's about a man who is trying to reconcile himself with the past and who hasn't tried to reconcile themselves with the past. Um, it's about finding a, a sense of home or, or, or refinding a sense of home. It's about individuals finding their voices and finding their place in the world. Um, it's full of universals that should appeal to audiences wherever they may be. Okay, and, and given that it's, it's it's ITV prime time, the series is going to be going out in the autumn. Uh, diversity, inclusion, representation is something that's become a much bigger topic in the industry over the past 18 months. Um, this is a gay character at the heart of the, the ITV schedule. How significant is that? Well, I think, I think it's as we said before, you know, authenticity was huge to us. And I think it's, I think what for both Lee and I, I think what's really important is, is actually, you know, Matthew is married to Jonathan. It's a happy relationship. It's a normal, happy functioning relationship. It's where he's most happy. And I'm really proud of that. Actually, it's not, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a great relationship. So I think for that representation, I think it's wonderful. And I think it's, you know, long past its due date that there should be there should be a sort of you know happy gay relationship on ITV in that way um so I think it's great I think in terms of other representation it was very important to have a diverse cast so we've got Pearl Mackey playing one of the regulars playing uh you know DS Jen Rafferty we've got guest characters like Amit Shah and uh we've also got within the book there there's one of the main guest stories centers around um, a woman with Down syndrome, um, and we have Sarah Gordy playing her. So yes, I think I think you know the, the representation and diversity was very important as part of the story and and on screen. Lee, long overdue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a, as an openly gay man myself, um, it was a breath of fresh air to read this script, which sort of catapults the gay experience into the mainstream, uh, and to see a, a gay character in a wholesome, loving relationship, as opposed to being involved in sort of storylines to do with drugs and uh, mental breakdown and HIV and whatever. So, I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's an ordinary uh, gay relationship, uh, and and in that relationship. Matthew um, derives a lot of pleasure and a lot of love. And that's, yeah, my goodness, uh, long overdue. Silverprint Pictures creative director Kate Barlett and director Lee Haven-Jones speaking to me about new ITV crime drama The Long Call. Show Trial is a new BBC drama from the makers of Bodyguard and Line of Duty. 
Written and created by the Tunnel, Strike and Cobra scribe Ben Richards, the series centres on a courtroom battle that grips the nation, placing victim and accused as well as their families at the heart of a media storm. Produced by ITV Studios' own World Production, whose chief executive and creative director Simon Heath exec produces alongside the BBC's Mona Qureshi, Show Trial features a young and diverse ensemble cast and is directed by acclaimed documentary filmmaker Zara Hayes. She and Richards spoke to me about the show. This interview is brought to you by ITV Studios, which is handling global distribution. The premise of Show Trial, what we wanted to do most of all, um, was to look at a case that sort of gripped the national imagination, one of those court cases that transcended itself almost and became uh, a topic of conversation and an object of fascination in the media. And particularly uh, the discussion between myself and, and, and Simon Heath, the executive producer from World, on it was to look at it from the point of view of both the defence and the prosecution so that we didn't necessarily privilege, which is often the case with legal shows, we didn't necessarily privilege one side over the other when it came to, to dramatising the case. We wanted to see both the defence and the prosecution teams working, considering the same evidence, but perhaps having very different takes from it. What's the uh, the trial that's at the centre of this story? Tell us more about the characters involved. The, the trial at the centre of the story concerns the disappearance and, and it turns out subsequent murder of uh, a young student, Hannah Ellis, and the trial revolves around two people who are accused of her murder, Talitha Campbell, who is the daughter of a wealthy property developer, and Dylan Harwood, who is the son of a shadow minister. And so that immediately gives it national interest and a kind of celebrity trial and brings in issues of privilege and class, which are very important in the, in the show. And in a way, also, we wanted to look at the, the two defendants represent both orthodox establishment in the shape of Talitha and the alternative establishment in the shape of Dylan. And one of the big themes in it is the degree to which they, their parents and their families influence on the way they're perceived by both the public and, and of course, by the jury. But essentially, it, it, is, a, it is a murder trial of, of two people who uh, are very different from the victim of the crime, although they were all friends at university. Were there real life? inspirations for this story and um you know uh, you've already touched on some of the themes that you wanted to explore but mm. why, why will they have particular resonance yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm uh, both myself and, I mean, sorry, you might want to jump in here. We're, we're both a sort of obsessive uh, trial watchers. And we, we've enjoyed shows on TV, true crime stories on TV that, that we both uh, really enjoyed. And also, the, the, you know, I, I find trials really fascinating, the way they play with, where they challenge you in terms of your prejudices and what, what the truth might be. Uh, and, and that fundamental question, guilty or not guilty, beyond reasonable doubt or not beyond reasonable doubt, what is reasonable doubt? All of those questions I find completely fascinating. I should point out on issues and themes, and then I'll sort of hand over to, to Zara. I should point out on issues and themes, I'm a massive believer that story comes first, that issues and themes emerge from the story. And if it's a good story, issues and themes will inevitably emerge. It's not a, it's not a, a, a situation where we're trying to put the issues or the themes as the engine of the show, um, because for me that, that often uh, comes at the expense of storytelling. So it's crucial that the story is fascinating, the trial is fascinating in and of itself, and that the issues that come with it add layers of complexity to it. I'm not trying to 
to make points or, 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 or give lessons on any on any particular issues, but hopefully those issues will, will be seen and, and appreciated for what they are. So Zara, tell us a little bit more about your involvement and what appealed to you about this story as well. Yeah, well, um, I was sent the scripts for the first couple of episodes and um, I was just completely gripped by them and, and drawn in. And I thought that, I mean, what Ben is saying absolutely rings true, which is that they were just first and foremost very entertaining and thrilling. And I was kind of hooked in as a as a reader or a viewer, <laughs> really sort of questioning whether or not this young woman, Talitha Campbell, was guilty and um, why, uh, why I, I might be swayed one way or another by the evidence and then some of the kind of forces that are at play in the story. And, and what, what I really kind of like about this and what really appealed to me is that everybody loves a good courtroom drama. And um, <laughs> I, as Ben says, you know, the format in itself is, is so lends itself to narrative because it, it is in itself a performance um, uh, to be in a courtroom and to kind of have to put your case across. You're putting across a narrative. And then the way in which narrative gets used by both sides to kind of uh, to gain an advantage and how that affects the defendants based on who they are and where they're from is something that I'm really have been really interested in from a young age actually and um, in all of the true crime stuff that I've watched and worked on I've, I'm a documentary maker by background and I, I sort of always been very very fascinated by the courtroom and by the legal system and, and by these stories where we kind of invest in one side of things things like the defense or the prosecution and what I liked about this was that not only do you get to spend time with both camps and empathize with them and understand kind of where they're coming from but also it the first three episodes of five of this are really leading up to the courtroom so you get to understand how they get to where they end up in the courtroom and um, how they sort of uh develop their own narratives as the defense and the prosecution um, based on the evidence. And we see, we kind of follow the police, you know, as they build up their case. And we also are there when the duty solicitor meets the defendant for the first time and we see their relationship develop. And um, for me, the fact that you could follow a case from arrest through to verdict was something quite unique, actually, because I think things are often either a police procedural or they're a kind of courtroom drama. And this, you really do get to go on the whole journey and so for me that was really appealing and so from a both a storytelling point of view and also a, a, a direction point of view you know how have you sort of tried to approach this differently distinctively perhaps from other courtroom dramas that we might have seen I think that um we it, what's so kind of clear in Ben's writing is that character is the driving engine story. Um, it, and so although you have all the elements of uh, procedural uh, going on in this, what really kind of felt to me very unique about this and very distinctive was the, the different ensemble of characters that had been kind of written. And so for me, developing those and keeping sight of these distinctive characters who you kind of you go between you know throughout the course of the five episodes was something that I felt was the heart and soul of it really and that um, we always wanted to kind of remind ourselves and place that at the center so um, although you know you very much got the did she or didn't she question <laughs> that keeps people hooked hopefully between episodes that there is value in spending time with each of these characters and getting to know them and, and understanding their quirks and understanding their own 
biases and perspectives and backgrounds and why that might how that might be affecting the way they're behaving in the theater of the courtroom um, and leading up to it so for me kind of character um, and performance putting that at the heart of everything was obviously the most important guiding principle and then I guess because my background is in documentaries my um, my interest is always on observing detail and and um, finding small things that can tell a bigger story and, and and all of those techniques that are kind of more from observational documentaries but um, I didn't want it to look or feel and Ben and I talked about this a lot you know it we equally wanted it to feel like it was a something that you could enjoy as a viewing experience and would be visual and would take you on a kind of take you into a world and would build a world we didn't play it for handheld gritty documentary realism in the way that we shot it and the way that we approached it we kind of tried to bring visual storytelling principles through it to it throughout but keeping true to the grounded reality of the of the material that that and the characters really and just to pitch into that the other thing that i i was think is 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 something that's very important in terms of that is um I'm not a fan ever, really, of of drama that is that is too po-faced uh, uh, about itself. I mean, a court trial is immensely serious, but there's also humour, and we've tried to inject humour into the process with the different teams. Everybody knows in in a work situation, even in quite dark circumstances, that there's there's a lot of gallows humour and there's a lot of play and there's a lot of interaction of gags and 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 messing about between characters, and and we kind of tried to keep that. As as well because um uh, i i find you know it, 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 you need to lighten the material with with humor and i think that's across all my writing i try to do that i try to make it funny whether i succeed or not obviously yeah obviously another question <laughs> Well, I think um, that's a really good point, though, isn't it? I think um, that the kind of that's the the groundedness of it, that the fact that these feel like real characters, real three dimensional people who absolutely like they carry the weight of this. I guess for me, what's really interesting is these professionals and they they do this job that is, you know, deciding people's fate, you know, <laughs> and yet they're, you know, they're, they're people who are have got colleagues and they have relationships with their colleagues and they have a laugh with them and they've got backgrounds and histories with them and trying to kind of bring that out and the realism mm. is something that I really appreciated in in the scripts. But without actually in this case, which is very important, we made a, a very early creative decision not to try and bring personal lives or personal stories into the drama. So we didn't go home hardly at all with any of the characters and we weren't especially interested in their sort of, you know, romances or, or anything like that. We were interested in how their character was shaped by the case itself. The central, the, the, you know, when you talked about the premise, the case is the is the engine of this show and the characters re- react to the case and, and and react to each other in the case and and that is what defines their dramatic energy and 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 their interest so we always see the characters in relation to both the case and and the other people working on the case there's a backstory between one of the prosecution and defense lawyers but again it's not a romance which would be the predictable thing to do it's actually related to a legal they were friends and it's related to a legal um, uh, a, t- a time when they were together on a, on a legal case. And so we, we were very, very conscious that we didn't want to take the attention away. We didn't want to take the eye away from, from, from the case itself, even though, as Zara says, lots of their personal lives come into the case and, and, and inform it, uh, particularly in the case of, of Talitha, but we don't find that out until later on that 
explaining why this person is who she is um, in the doc and why your perception of her might change over the course of, of the series, you know. And again, we're looking at, there have been lots of cases where this has been a factor. Um, there would be Amanda Knott case was an obvious example whether her personality was put on trial and her sexuality was put on trial. And that's, you know, going back to the issues, that's obviously a major feature of, of show trial, the degree to which Talitha's gender is weaponized against them. What about the cast that you've assembled to uh, portray the story? I mean, they're fantastic. It's a a brilliant cast. And Zara and I worked very, very closely and pretty much always, I think... always had the same um, the same when we were given casting tapes yeah. we pretty much we were 100% in agreement every time about who our who our preferred candidate was yeah i mean the thing about about this show is that it's a kind of um fantastic ensemble piece so there are just um, there is great roles for people who are playing kind of a variety of different professionals within it and so um i guess you know the the we started with um the building blocks of who who would Cleo and Talitha be because Cleo is the sort of main defence solicitor who is on duty on the night that Talitha Campbell gets arrested and she gets the phone call that changes the course of her life through taking on this case and so finding Cleo and Talitha these two women whose relationship affects the outcome of the entire trial was really important at the very start as soon as we kind of came across um, Tracy and Celine, who who played those two roles, we, as Ben says, we we were so excited and felt that we'd found our our Cleo and our Talitha, mm. and uh, that was the kind of starting point really from which we built out the the rest of the cast, wasn't it, Ben? Yes, I think it is very interesting the degree to which this is a, a conversation that I had with a really interesting conversation that I had with Tracy about the, the character of Cleo in particular, because while it's true that the that the case is is the engine and while it's true that conventional legal dramas tend to favor the defense side anyway it's 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 much for quite complex reasons i think so i i think with with tracy although our premise was we've shown both defense and and and, and prosecution i think that there's it's undoubtedly the case that the part of cleo is favored by the just by the format you, you can't help it and it's so it's very important that um, that we found the right actor for that and Trace is a brilliant actor and she gave an astonishing uh, audition so we we were very fortunate to secure Tracy quite early in the process um, because because that that character Cleo was so important because she also links with the prosecution and 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 her relationship with the accused is is so important because although it is the trial of Talitha Campbell and and Dylan Harwood Talitha is by far the, the biggest focus within I think that's fair to say, isn't it, Sarah? She's our she's our real focus of interest. Absolutely, but then you know what? Um, what's so interesting about this cast is that there are these brilliant roles for young, you know, these kind of bright, bright young lights, and um, we've you know in Joe um, who plays Dylan. Um, and Celine, who plays Halifer, I feel like we've got such exciting um, yeah. young actors to sort of bring to the, um, to the audience. And then, and then when we cast the rest of it, you know, we've we've managed to kind of put together this absolutely astounding um, group of brilliant actors who are coming together for this piece. I mean, when the the, the lead kind of cop in the case, um, Di Cassidy, is played by Sinead Keenan, who um, is just a phenomenal actress who sort of brought everything to this role. And and um, then you have the the lead prosecutor 
uh, the, the main prosecutor who we kind of identify with on the case, played by Kerr Logan. I mean, there's almost too many to mention, really. Mm. James Brain, who, who puts I mean, a brilliant, brilliantly restrained performance in a very difficult role as as, as Talitha's father. Absolutely. Because yeah, we didn't want him to be a kind of evil capitalist pig who everyone sort of just hates from the offset. We wanted him to be a man of, of also of, of poise and tension. And James is brilliant as that. And I just wanted to echo Sarah on Sinead. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. I mean, I, I know I sound very lovely here. That's not so really lovely. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. But she is a wonderful one. Reflect, what can you say? And and so is um, and so is care, and and they have a, a lovely chemistry together as well. And so it 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 is an ensemble piece, and 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 we did find I think just a, a brilliant cast of clicked, and and right down to the smaller parts as well. That you know, as Zara says, we can't go through them all, but but there there wasn't a single person with whom I was disappointed or felt had in any way you know we 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 didn't represent what I wanted when I wrote the script. So it's the um late drama to come out of world productions makers of the bodyguard line of duty save me standing uh, on the shelves of giants <laughs> giants indeed so those are obviously uh been tremendously successful uh, a fact to follow i guess with with some of those but also a uh, you know tremendous heritage as well to uh, come out of yeah i mean i've worked with world for years before bodyguard was even a twinkle in jed mercurio's eye so um i am um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a really long uh, relationship with 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 Simon. We we did uh, the ratings blockbuster party animals together, which uh, which, <laughs> which obviously wasn't a ratings blockbuster, but launched the careers of some quite well known actors. Now, and I worked on the, the show No Angels for Channel Four with with World. So I've, I've known World a, a long time, and uh, and I love working with them. They're a great great production company, and Simon's Simon's a brilliant creative force on the show. So that's also you know, we we we've known each other for years, and we have a uh, we have we've had developments together as well. So it's it's been almost as long as I've been writing. I've had some kind of working relationship with World. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome in making the series, particularly in light of the uh, coronavirus pandemic and the restrictions that uh, all producers are having to operate under at the moment? Oh well, making a show in COVID is <laughs> isn't easy, as I'm sure anyone would tell you, but. Um, Actually, you know, for me, the my worry was sort of the loss of the human interaction that would have to happen because in prep, you know, and things like that, everything was done virtually. So a lot of the first meetings with actors were done, uh, was done over Zoom, like everything is nowadays. And, you know, you have we're having to do a lot of that work um, with all the heads of departments and everything virtually. And filmmaking is inherently um, visceral and personal and like you've got to be in the room to make it happen and so how that would translate was something that I was really worried about but actually everybody just worked their you know worked their hardest to sort of fight against that and so when we did have the time together and when we were in the same room um, we all became very good at communicating with our eyes <laughs> because that's all you've got right um, pretty much in this situation where everybody's wearing a mask all the time and you know the usual kind of the the, the testing rolling of the eyes the rolling of the <laughs> eyes the winking that and we've got the whole we've got the whole spectrum of eye of eye comms going 
but um yeah i mean obviously the te- you have to do the testing and the protocols and it's all quite um it's 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 a huge burden to add to an already tiring thing but actually everybody pulled through and i think was so excited to be getting to getting to do something and be on set again that that kind of extra adrenaline spurred people on and we we did fantastically well so although i wouldn't say it's ideal to be making um television in covid it wasn't debilitating and actually we some of the I think some of the bonds that we made you know could be stronger because of that you know the kind of the adversity of it slightly brings you together and you know I I think that um it just makes everything a little bit slower and that bit more difficult as it does with everything in everything in life at the moment you know but it wasn't impossible and I think that for me anyway I personally just felt very privileged to be able to be doing it and to be able to be making something and be doing it safely and be being tested and everything because obviously lots of people are going to work and not getting tested um so yeah I I mean it was it was just um that's a bit weird you know um meeting your main actors and recalling them and, and having those discussions on zoom before you actually get in the room and then um you know I only actually physically met Ben a few weeks into the shoot when (laughs) when he came to set which was very strange when we'd been obviously collaborating so closely together for months and Mm. months but that's just the 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 way of the world at the moment isn't it yeah and I think I think we should take the opportunity to to pay you know, huge tribute to producers in these circumstances as well. I mean, our producer Chris Hall was 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 brilliant. Um, I've had two shows in production over COVID. Also, we were doing the second series of Cobra, and I've always I've, I've really admired the, the 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 role of the producer in this because it makes their job yes so much so much harder. And 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 I think I certainly and, and probably directors don't don't have it as tough as it the producers. Absolutely right. Do. And they and they really you know they really fight to keep the show going and they have to be the big old nag telling everybody not to go down the pub and and the, the interesting thing about that as well I think just to follow up on something Zara said which I think is really interesting that you underestimate the degree to which killing the social life you know these shoots take place over over four or five months and and the best part of half a year and normally I mean, in normal circumstances people would be going to the pub you know they'd be going socializing after work you'd have a rap party you know, there'd be some recognition of, of the fact that you're, you're colleagues, but that you're also relaxing together because you're part of this. And that, you know, particularly when, when I mean, Chotra was slightly more fortunate. Cobra was, was during in the Northwest at the height of the second wave and those normal social interactions were removed. And that, obviously in the bigger picture of COVID, that might not seem so much, but in the, in, in the context of people working and giving their all to something, it's, um, it, it has to be managed quite carefully. It's a big, it's a big deal. And, and, and you have to be aware of it because me- people's mental health is very important as well. People's stress levels mm. and, and the degree to which they, they, you know, they were able to come to work and, and, and turn in the, these performances at times of quite high, high stress. So given that you've overcome those challenges, congratulations on that. Um, what do you hope the audiences will take away from the show when they get to see it on on screen and you know what elements do you think will resonate with viewers around the world i mean i hope they'll care what what the what, what whether the verdict is guilty or not guilty but for both defendants i mean that's that's for me the, the most important thing that they're that they're entertained by the show and that they're moved by the show because uh, i'm a, a terrible old sentimentalist so mm-hmm. I, I like to um I, I i try and operate at that level as well to make people moved and to make people feel 
you know, a sort a sort of um, have a kind of cathartic experience with 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 the characters, and I, and I really I really hope we've achieved that from what I've seen and from what Sarah's done and, and what the actors have done. I'm I'm optimistic about that. Um, but in terms of the themes, and I've, I've, I'm sort of very quick about this. I, I think for me, if I had to choose a theme, you know, in the light in the light of everything we're seeing, in the light of of, of, of the Sarah Everard case, but in the light of is to still look at the way that. You know, the legal system doesn't treat everybody the same and that isn't always in in predictable ways that isn't always in ways that you would expect you know that Talitha is punished by the um, legal system partly by due to her her privileged class background it doesn't always work in her favor um, and also by her gender and by this combination into a, a tag that the media give her which is lady T's and 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 that was one of the things I wanted people to to sort of take away from uh, from it I guess one of, one of the big themes that emerged through the writing yeah I mean I think uh, to echo what Ben says it's the the kind of hooking people in and and having them talking about whether or not you know everybody will the justice system is just a bunch of human beings who are flawed and imperfect and and sort of we see that play out in this story and I think people having an opinion on um the the verdict and speculating and then kind of judging the verdict based on what they've seen I think is the best thing that could happen because from that will emerge some of these questions and some of these more nuanced thoughts that are there in the script that um, I think are worth talking about and they do matter. Um, and I think in terms of the question about the world, what, what the wider world, I do think we've, we've made something here that is very specifically British, um, you know, in terms of even just, you know, we were editing this morning, the kind of opening with the, the courtroom and, you know, seeing the barristers in their wigs. And it's so specific, you know, to a, to a certain culture. But then that that ultimately the best stories are always very specific and then they speak to universalities. And I, th- I think this has that opportunity. And we've very clearly set this in Bristol. We've been very lucky to shoot in real locations in a city that we are, you know, is shooting for itself and we've made the most of that like one of our main locations is by the harbour in Bristol and we are constantly reminded of a very specific place and a specific moment in time but I think that um, when taken together it can speak to something more universal so that's where I think it would resonate because I think that it fits into a a kind of you know British crime drama um, genre but then ultimately says something bigger about justice in general and about kind of class and privilege and gender and identity politics in the moment that we're in so that would be my that would be my um, thoughts on that show trial creator and director ben richards and director zara hayes talking to me about the upcoming bbc courtroom drama there'll be more interviews from us on c21 fm from monday and in the podcast next friday but in the meantime stay safe and up to date with all the latest international tv industry news and views by following c21 online on mobile and social media my name's jonathan webdale thanks for listening (laughs) 